Welcome to the preaching ministry of Port St. Lucie Bible Church. We are a Christian church whose goal is to faithfully preach Christ from Scripture so that we might better love and serve Him. We pray that this message from God's Word would engage your mind with the truth and inspire your heart to obey Christ. Here's today's message. Well, just a special thanks to the, uh, the worship team and the work they put in. Uh, I know it doesn't feel like work, but it's time and just ministry and service and, and love and, and sharing that with us. Uh, what a blessing. I mean, the majority of that song right there just preached everything that I'm going to say. And uh, it be a little redundant here, but let's say it again. Anyhow, it's Christ is born. And as we celebrate uh, the birth of God's Son, who according to Luke 2 and verse 11 was born, was born the Savior of the world, the account that I read to you earlier from the Gospel of Matthew is especially rich in the detail about how Christ came to be God with us. Matthew explains how this this incarnation of God occurred with great detail. That term, incarnation, if you're not familiar, uh, it's a term used to describe how God Himself took on human flesh. It is a Latin word that literally means the act of being made human flesh. It comes from the Latin translation of John 1.14, where we read in our English versions, the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And the Apostle John writes, we saw His glory, glory as of the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and truth. And Matthew is also the gospel which supplies us with the genealogy of Joseph. Joseph, whom God selected to be the adoptive father of Jesus. Joseph, who did exactly as the angel instructed him by taking Mary to be his wife. And if you trace back Joseph's lineage... Matthew assures us in chapter 1, Matthew chapter 1, you will notice that he was a direct descendant of King David, that is Joseph, uh, the promised seed of Abraham. The same holds true, believe it or not, of Jesus' mother, Mary. Uh, It is the gospel of Luke that supplies us with her genealogy. And there it assures that if you carefully trace back Mary's lineage, you will discover that she too is a direct descendant of King David. And verifying the genealogies in that day, at that time, it wasn't something that was especially difficult. When the Gospels of Matthew and Luke were written, it was around between the years 50 and 60 A.D., you could still physically visit the temple in Jerusalem where they preserved the birth archives and you could hypothetically ask this, who is currently the rightful heir to the Davidic throne 
the, the legitimate king of Israel, and the, re, the priests would have to respond to you by saying, um, our records indicate uh, that would be Joseph bar Eli, or Joseph son of Eli from the tribe of Judah. Yet after the Jews returned from captivity in Babylon, that Davidic, mar- uh, Davidic monarchy was, was never again reinstated. Of course, Caesar Augustus wouldn't allow that to happen regardless. Uh, if you were a legitimate heir to Israel's throne, uh, and, and if you wanted to keep your head, you would keep your head pretty low. You wouldn't blow a horn about it. Uh, maybe do a little carpentry on the side. Bring in a few bucks. And this is because Rome had established their own king to rule over Israel. His name was Herod. They would later call him Herod the Great. He we will read about on Christmas Eve as we continue uh, the reading from Matthew uh, Herod was not born into Davidic royalty. He was rather an Idumean. Uh, that means he was a descendant of Esau, not Jacob. And, and he was politically appointed as king of Judea through an act, believe it or not, of the Roman Senate. The Roman Senate, Senate uh, appointed Herod the Great as king over Judea. It's one of the reasons he gets so upset, as we will read next week, when these magi come, or as we read this week on Friday, as the magi come and ask, well, where is he who was born king of the Jews? And Herod doesn't like that news so well, because Herod knows he's not king. But this child named Jesus was the legitimate heir to the Davidic throne. And as the eldest legal son of Joseph, his adoptive father, Jesus was born king over Israel. Um, I never never tire of exploiting uh, this, this reality of how Jesus was born through both his legal father and through his mother as the legitimate heir to the Davidic throne. Jesus wasn't appointed king of the Jews. He was born king of the Jews. As we hear, the wise men will seek him out. For this reason, when Jesus presented himself to Israel as their king, that's during his three-year ministry on earth, it wasn't just some empty assertion. He wasn't just making an empty claim to be king. Uh, This also answers, by the way, uh, the question that many people ask is is why Joseph is not referenced in Scripture uh, during the time that Jesus uh, had his three-year earthly ministry. Why don't we find Joseph's name everywhere? And some speculate, well, Joseph must have died. Well, that is exactly right. Joseph absolutely must have already died, thereby leaving the Davidic throne vacant. 
by the time that Jesus himself proclaimed himself to Israel as their king. So surely Joseph had died, and Joseph's son, God's son, Jesus Christ, who was born king of the Jews, uh, he fulfilled God's promise that was made to King David. In reference to that promise, uh, we refer to it as the Davidic covenant. The prophet Isaiah in chapter 9 and verse 6 states that, quote, A child will be born to us, a son will be given to us, and the government will rest on his shoulders, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. There will be no end to the increase of his government or of peace on the throne of David and over uh, over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and righteousness from then on and forevermore. It is that same prophet, Isaiah, who was writing, by the way, 700 years before Christ. Isaiah wrote about the incarnation when saying, The Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, a virgin will be with child and bear a son, and she will call his name Emmanuel. You'll find that in Isaiah 7, verse 14. Of course, we all know what Emmanuel means in the English, or excuse me, in the Hebrew. Um, We also know from our earlier scripture reading in Matthew 1 and in verse 20 that the angel... The angel reveals the fulfillment of Isaiah's prophecy is found in the child whom the virgin, named Mary, carries in her womb. Uh, The angel says to Joseph, Joseph, son of David, see the connection there, descendant of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife. For the child who has been conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. So according to the Bible, when does the life of a child begin? Scripture recognizes that human life begins at conception. And the angel continues saying, She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Now all this took place to fulfill what was spoken by the Lord through the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall be with child and shall bear a son. And they shall call his name Emmanuel, which translated means God with us. This is all in fulfillment of Isaiah The prophet Isaiah wasn't told exactly how a virgin would give birth to a child, nor did he know why this son would be called God with us. But we know why. It is through the miracle of the incarnation where God's eternal son, his eternal son, the second member of the Trinitarian Godhead, the second person of the Godhead, Uh, He, Jesus, emptied himself of his divine privileges uh, 
to be fashioned into the image of a man, a bondservant for a season, a little while made even lower than the angels, Hebrews 2 verse 6, while at the same time never surrendering his eternal deity. It is through this mystery of the incarnation where Colossians 2 and verse 9 assures us that in Him, meaning in Christ, all the fullness of deity dwells in bodily form. Imagine beholding that glory as the apostles saw Him and testified to Him as the Christ. Folks, Jesus is the eternal Son of God who came to become flesh as a son of man and to dwell amongst us, even people just like us. And so for a period of around 30 years, God literally walked the earth on two feet with us. Jesus himself was fully God while living life fully as a man while never committing any sins. The God-child was born to live as a man, to accomplish what man cannot, perfect love, righteousness, sinless obedience to the Father his entire life, and thereby to save us from our sins while he died on the cross, bearing the punishment of all who are guilty, and who will confess Him as Savior. The prophet Isaiah again states that He was pierced through for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The chastening for our well-being fell upon Him. And by His scourging we are healed. All of us like sheep have gone astray. Each has turned to his own way. But the Lord has caused the iniquity of us all to fall on Him. Isaiah 53. And then after Jesus died on the cross, He rose again on the third day. That is, why, that is the reason why we celebrate Resurrection Sunday. We often refer to it as Easter, uh, marking the end of Jesus' early, earthly life uh, right before His ascension to God's right hand. But Christmas is where it all began. The birth of Christ, after having been supernaturally conceived by the Holy Spirit, not becoming God, but becoming God with us. And this explains how Jesus was able to live as a man, yet without any sin. Some remain a little confused with Christmas, um, they may appreciate that it is a holiday or a holy day, which it is, an occasion to be extra polite, might buy a gift or two to give away, hopefully receive a gift or two. Yet some remain bewildered as to the whole point. And, and some may still wonder, you know, what is the big deal about a baby being born? Babies are born every day. 
And then they hear the explanation we often give, uh, which is correct, yeah, but not babies born of a virgin. And for this reason, some mistakenly place an enormous focus on the virgin. If a child has been born to a virgin, they might conclude this story must then all be about a virgin. And they continue to miss the point of the incarnation of God with us. Folks, the miracle of Christmas is not a story of a teenage virgin. I know we live in an adulterous age, saturated with sexuality, um, but even today there remains nothing that unusual about a teenage virgin. Folks, don't let the world deceive you. In 2021, in the year in which we live, there are many teenagers, both male and female, who remain virgins. Virginity is still quite common today among teenagers. Young ladies don't feel pressured by the culture. Back in Mary and Joseph's day, virginity until marriage was... Fairly common. It was expected. And a whole lot of teenage girls in that day were virgins. And for their safety and for their protection, for their reputation, young girls were protected by their families. So, so that many would remain virgins until marriage uh, because virginity was culturally expected. And the secular world surrounding us would like to think that there's just something incredibly sensational and exceptional about Mary remaining a virgin until her mid to late teens. Christmas, they conclude, must be about one young girl who kept herself pure. And they say, isn't isn't that a sweet story? Yet there is nothing sensational about Mary in the fact that she remained a virgin before the angel approached her. Don't let society lie to you. Mary's, in that regard, was not a huge accomplishment. And Christmas is not about her. What is sensational about Christmas is what God accomplished within her. And what is most commendable about Mary was not her virginity, but that she responded to God, uh, to the angel of God, by saying this. It's Luke 1, verse 38. May it be done to me according to your word. And through her poem, it's found in Luke, it's referred to as Mary's Magnificat. She displays her familiarity with the promise that God had given to send His people a Savior. Mary's Magnificat reveals that Mary both recognized and believed what God had promised through the prophets of the Old Testament. She was aware that a Messiah was to come. Mary 
knew her Bible or the Scriptures well enough where she could state, I know that Messiah is coming, He who is called Christ. When that one comes, He will declare all things to us. But then again, so could the woman at the well whom Jesus met in John 4 because those words were actually spoken by her. And she had had five husbands and she was no virgin. Mary is commended that she, like many others in the Bible, was anticipating the arrival of Isaiah's Messiah She believed the Scriptures, she trusted the Word of God, and she offered herself to God as His servant. She was even willing to suffer the embarrassment of unchastity at a time when she had remained chaste. She said, let it be your will. Joseph also took Mary to be his wife, He followed through, even though surely rumors uh, about Mary must have been circulating well before their wedding day, especially after Mary returned from visiting her cousin Elizabeth. By that time, surely she had been showing by the time she got back home. But nonetheless, the young couple set off together. They headed for Bethlehem. The virgin carrying a baby within her and a husband who, according to Matthew, took Mary as his wife, but kept her a virgin until she gave birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. Folks, the miracle of Christmas is not that Mary kept herself a virgin, nor that Joseph agreed to take her as his wife, the miracle of Christmas is the child within her who became God with us. As Matthew 1 and verse 18 assures, before they came together, meaning before they consummated the relationship, before they came together, she was found to be with child by the Holy Spirit. And just as the angel told Joseph, The child who has been conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. And this is how Jesus became God with us. The Holy Spirit conceived in Mary a baby as God knitted together the DNA of man or DNA of man with the deity of God. That is the incarnation. And from that moment, the child was conceived. He who exists from eternity past as fully God also became fully man. He is the God-man. And the eternal Christ did not become God. Eternal God became man. That's a major difference between biblical Christianity and the cults and most other world religions. In false religion, man is determined he will become God. He will make himself a God. 
But in the Bible, we find that God, from the beginning, was determined to become a man. And through the incarnation of Christ, Jesus was born to be God with us. And for this reason, Jesus, from the moment of conception, from his birth until the cross, he never sinned. Throughout his earthly life, his humanity could be tempted, but his divinity could not sin. God cannot sin. And this is why Jesus could offer himself to God as the perfect, spotless lamb, willing to sacrifice himself to bear the sins of the world on the cross. Couldn't be achieved any other way. But it was accomplished by the Holy Spirit, and Jesus was made the Immaculate Conception. Folks, Mary's conception was not. She was a product of a normal human conception. Mary had a human mother and a human father inherited from them the same sin nature that we have. Scripture records nothing unique about Mary's conception. You won't find that in the Bible. Jesus is the only human who never sinned. He is the sole person who can redeem us from our sins. And this is because his conception is special. Jesus' nature is divine because his father's nature is divine. And on that Christmas when he was born a man, Jesus became God with us. Folks, think about this. Do you believe that the virgin birth is important? It's not just important. It's essential. Accepting the virgin birth is essential for being a Christian. Because the divinity of Christ hinges on it. If Christ were not born of a virgin... That only means that he would have been naturally conceived with a sin nature like ours. If that were the case, Scripture would be a complete lie. And Jesus would simply be another sinful man dying on the cross. And that achieves nothing for our salvation. The virgin birth is essential. We don't have to fully understand it. We must only fully accept that God did it. And this is the reason we celebrate the birth of Christ every Christmas. Because Jesus became God with us. From the cradle to the cross, Scripture says that God made Him who knew no sin to become sin on our behalf that we might become the righteousness of God in Him. For Scripture declares in John 1 and verse 12 that to all who receive Him, to all who believe in His name, to them He gives the right to become children of God. By grace and through faith, 
Would you receive Jesus as your gift this Christmas? Let's pray.